Welcome to the Anthro to UX podcast, where you will learn how to break into UX with an anthropology degree. Through conversations with leading anthropologists working in user experience, you will learn firsthand how others made the transition, what they learned along the way, and what they would do differently. We will be discussing what it means to do UX research from a practical perspective and what you need to do to prepare a resume and portfolio. I'm your host, Matt Arts, a business anthropologist specializing in design anthropology and working at the intersection of product management, user experience, and business strategy. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm here today with Gigi Taylor. Uh, Gigi is a qualitative UX researcher at Indeed, uh, previously the founding principal of Luminosity Research. Uh, She has a PhD in advertising from the University of Texas at Austin, and then an a master's in applied anthropology from UNT, which is also where I went and we were in the same cohort. So uh, Gigi, it's a pleasure to have you on. Would you mind telling everybody how you came into anthropology? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Um, It it is really an honor and and, um, thank you. Thank you for that. So how I came to anthropology? um, Yeah, that's a great question. And I've asked a lot of colleagues about that. And uh, the first thing everyone always seems to say, or the majority of things that people tend to say is, I just fell into it. I didn't realize it. It, you know, it wasn't a direct path. It was an indirect path. Um, and, that, and that's my story as well. So, um, I have always been interested in, cons- in, in trying to understand consumers in, and consumption. Um, and, and one of the things we see consumer and, con- and consumption is in advertising. So I was always, fascinated with advertising as a form of communication and kind of a either a reflection of culture or something that defines culture. Anyway, so that led me to advertising at University of Texas, a master's, and then I continued on um, in the PhD program. So there's only one place you can get a PhD in advertising, and that's at the University of Texas, which is good and bad. Um, Advertising can be found either in a mass comm department or it can be embedded in marketing. Um, so essentially a PhD in advertising, uh, and, and the flavor that I gave it was, um, a PhD in consumer behavior or consumer psychology. So it was very much of a psychological frame. Um, I didn't think I wanted to teach right away. I wanted to work in advertising. So I started, um, at working as a account planner at Hal Riney in San Francisco. So account planning is the the, re, the strategy, the research strategy position within an ad agency. It's Those are the folks who do the research that then goes into the creative brief that then drives the um, the creatives to do art direction and copywriting for a particular ad campaign. So I've always been about research, and I've always been about understanding consumers. So I was um, at Halbrini. We had hired two anthropologists to do some creative briefing for us, and that was Patty... Uh, Patty uh, Sunderland and Rita Denny. I did, of course, I didn't know them at that time. I didn't really know anything about anthropology or who anybody was within the field. But I can remember very well that they um, presented, I, I can't remember the exact client who it was, but what I remember is that my mind was totally blown away because they were still talking about consumers and consumption and branding, but they were using a completely different frame. Because up to that point, I had been studying consumers and consumptions from a psychological frame. So that means attitude and behavior, information processing, um, decision-making, personality, attitude, attitude, that sort of thing. 
but they presented consumption through a completely different lens that I had never heard of. So they were talking about culture and cultural meanings and boundaries and liminal spaces and giving it more of a holistic and global perspective. And I was like, whatever they have, I want. <laughs> and especially when the application of this research was for creative, was to understand that the, the insight from the consumer that would drive creative strategy, which was really what we really needed was wonderful, thick storytelling that would um, inspire creative. So from an uh, advertising application, anthropology was a natural fit. So that was my first introduction. Um, I, when I left Hal Reining, I started freelancing for uh, Patty and Rita's company, uh, Practica, and eventually I became a, a, a partner. And it was in that experience working with them that I learned the practice of anthropology or ethnography, not necessarily the theory. Um, and I felt like I needed, I, uh, in order to become an anthropologist, I needed theory and also the community. So I discovered this fabulous program, University of North Texas, and it was remote before we even were thinking of remote. And I was asked and I couldn't uh, move to Denton. So that's when I started the Masters in Anthropology. And that's where I met you, Matt. So that's, yeah, that's the story. Well, thanks for sharing. Um, obviously, following in with Patty and Rita is a uh is a nice opportunity to have at that early stage of your sort of journey. I'd like to go back um, to your role in account planning just for a second, because, you know, on the show, I've never had the opportunity to talk to anybody, I guess, really in that space, especially on this particular podcast. So you explained sort of the frame that you were coming at at account planning, you know, previous to working with Rita and, and Patty so I'd be curious to know a little bit about how did you bring those two frames together? Like, you know, obviously you can't just throw out the old because everybody else around you is still working from that perspective. So, you know, I guess as an individual or as an organization, how did you really, you know, find some synergy between those? Right. Well, and, and what I'm going to talk about the psychology of consumption versus the anthropology of consumption or consumer anthropology versus consumer psychology. Again, Patty and Rita wrote a fabulous article. It was like psychology versus anthropology. It was a 2003 article that really kind of breaks that down. Um, but from my experience, kind of echoing what they wrote in that article, and then from my experience, um, business um, folks are – um, very much schooled in the, psych the psychology of advertising or psychology of consumer consumers because of how advertising and marketing is taught in the business school. Um, professors in the business school come from a consumer psychology tradition. Of course, there are a few anthropologists who work in business schools, but really the dominant frame is psychology. So then when these folks graduate and become account executives um, in ad, and ad agencies or product managers and corporations, it is that psychological frame that they bring into it. So you're kind of working a little bit against the norm, and it's kind of tricky. Also, the other dominant research paradigm is a quantitative paradigm, and psychology kind of lends itself. It's easier to, to have all those constructs become quantitative constructs that are measured. So it just lends itself. It's, it's an easier, it's a smoother kind of transition. So how does one introduce a different frame? Well, um, it, one way is to hire. So indeed, or sorry, 
I work for Indeed now, but at the time it was Hal Reining. Hal Reining hired two anthropologists to come in and we hired them specifically to give us that different perspective, that different approach, that different thinking. So certainly hiring consultants to come in um, and then you kind of get a flavor of anthropology without buying it or without actually hiring someone to do that. And in terms of how well it landed, it, 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 we, we were then forever uh, hiring anthropologists and hiring um, Patty and Rita's um, company because it fits so nicely the, um, the creative teams that were not so much schooled in consumer um, psychology um, fundamentals. They were more schooled in communication and storytelling. For those people who were essentially our stakeholders for this research, they absolutely adored and loved all the anthropological framing. And because of that, the strategy and the end creative product was so much stronger. So we just continued to hire anthropologists. Um, so I think if you just uh, have one example of what anthropology can do, then that's the piece that then is able to bring in more anthropological thinking into an organization. Thanks. And so I have two follow-up questions based on what you just said. I guess first, and I'll do them one at a time. Um, the Could you just speak about, you, you were talking about how, you know, the storytelling aspect of the work that Rita and Patty were doing really lended itself to the creatives because of, you know, the, the mindset that, the training mindset that they had. So could you just elaborate for everybody who particularly in this podcast may have never seen a creative brief. I mean, what does that really look like yeah. in practice? You know, is sure. that Sure. Yeah. Um, so briefly, you know, uh, the way an advertising agency works, there um, are the creative teams, art director and copywriter. Often we work in pairs and they are the ones that actually create produce the, re the, the creative, but they need direction on that. And the number one, the, the primary document that they use to give them direction is this document called the creative brief. It can vary. The, it's usually one page, but it can go up to three pages. And it, it's also a verb. So it's the creative briefing. And that's like a one day event where the researchers or account planners, the strategists really try to help those creative teams understand the consumer, like life in the day of the consumer, to build empathy, to, to know the lived experience, and to understand what are the, the, cultural, um, the cultural life of those consumers and what, what is the thing that drives them or their values or their, their emotions. Um, so that creative grief is something that is, you know, in advertising, we train how to write that and there's different forms of it, but it is the one document that, um, that teams will use to drive the creative, um, uh, the creative strategy. So on it, it, there's sections like, who are we talking to? Why do we want to talk to them? Um, what do they believe now? Um, what we want them to believe and then why? And those are often the documents on a creative brief. Got it. Thanks. And, um, so I also have a follow-up on that, but I'll go back to my second, original second question. So um, I'm curious, the first time you hired uh, Rita and Patty, 
somebody in the organization had to know anthropology existed, you know, and advocated for doing so. And so I'm wondering for anybody who, you know, maybe you could share how that came to be. And the where I'm going with this is, is maybe there are anthropologists who are working in organizations today who don't really get to say we should take an anthropological approach. And so could you explain how that maybe came to be? And maybe with the hope that it will give them some guidance on how they could sell it in their organizations? Yes. Yes. So if we were doing a research study to try to understand how anthropology um, becomes a practice in organizations, how that first happens based on, you know, a couple of lived experiences. It is really that one person who has either taken one class or has an undergrad or a master's or a PhD, or maybe has had some exposure to anthropological research in a previous organization, but it takes just one person who has agency, who can make, who can offer recommendations on uh, vendors or hiring to say, I know what anthropology can do. Let me bring somebody in to show you. So yes, so I had, there was a manager at, at Hal Reine whose undergraduate was anthropology. And so she was um, trying to do anthropological research that she would then use to um, inform that creative brief for the creative teams. And I know I currently work at Indeed now, and I know I am forever grateful to a manager at Indeed who also had a master, uh, an undergrad in anthropology. And when my resume came across and it said business anthropology, consumer anthropology, you know, that anthropo- anthropological lens started going up and down. And she knew, you know, we had the same language and she knew what potential was for anthropology. So absolutely, it just takes one person. So let's since you brought up indeed again let's pivot there and i want to come back to a question on the creative brief and almost how that could relate to ux but just before we get to that point you want to maybe just share elaborate on what you just said and how you sort of came into indeed right um so um i i believe um that so much of what we do is within community um, and so community is very, very important to me. So that's why this podcast is important. And that's why, you know, we've connected. So it's building community. And I, in my mind, I want to be that, anthrop- that anthropologist that pulls others in because that's how we do it. We pull them in and then keep on pulling them in, you know, and then they pull people in, you know, cause it's, it's a network and it's a community. So, um, I was at Epic, um, which is, a uh, uh, a, 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 a community of practice around ethnography. And there were job postings um, in the back room, kind of old school on bulletin boards. And there was a, an ad that said um, hiring for qualitative UX researcher in Austin. Um, and so I applied and the person, the hiring manager was an anthropologist. And, you know, she was very curious about my background and my work. She had, she was not familiar with um, business anthropology. So it was through her that I was able to, you know, kind of go through the interview process. And, so the relationship between cultural anthropology, ethnography, and UX, I presented myself as truly who I am. I'm a cultural anthropologist that does a collection of qualitative methods, including UX. So I am not a primary UX researcher. I'm an anthropologist who does UX research. Um, I, after about six months of being Indeed, they created a, a, a research strategy division, which very much paralleled the strat- type of strategy I was doing in an ad agency. 
So that's where I'm working now. I'm working in strategy and I'm, uh, my uh, mission in, in life is to understand the hiring practices of American employers. So I talk to hiring managers, I talk to recruiters, and then take that information back to our designers and product managers. Thanks. And so that brings up a point, which is, you know, UX is almost becoming a little bit of an umbrella term that, um, you know, like say the work you're doing is certainly not usability research on an interface uh, or the work that Jay Hasbrook is doing, right, in his sort of pathfinding role. So it's it's really kind of right now we're using it to cover, uh, you know, a broad swath of types of research that's happening in organizations, uh, which strategy being a big component of it. So uh, seeing as you don't, you know, work in the, you know, in, in what most people probably think of as UX involving some kind of digital interface, would you just elaborate on, uh, you know, what exactly you're doing and sort of what's expected of you, if you will? Right. So exactly right. Um, the, I, it's, it's so wonderful to not only see industry embracing research, but embracing qualitative research. And that qualitative is framed in, in a UX definition. So we just had a summit this week and they were, uh, it was, they quantified, they were, someone was doing a, a study and they were able to list the, the top UX research um, employers in the U.S. And at the top was Google, Facebook, Indeed was like maybe ninth. And we have about 100 UX researchers. So our practice is UX research. But as UX research has matured within Indeed, there have been different divisions or different styles of UX research and almost maybe separate divisions of research itself. So my title is UX researcher. I'm within the UX research umbrella, but there was a, but we have a, a strategy team was developed about a year and a half ago. And so on the strategy team, we call ourselves the Island of Misfits. We're misfits on the Island of Misfits. And I personally see myself as a misfit on the Island of Misfits myself, because my, my colleagues in strategy are surveyors, um, quant we do a lot of survey work and quant analysis. There's some mixed methods modes, uh, mixed methods folks who do both quant and qual. But I, but then, I, then when they talk about the, the scope of the research that we do indeed at, at Indeed and even within strategy, that we speak of the, the UX researchers and then the small handful of survey researchers and then the small handful of mixed methods. And then we have Gigi. Gigi is our cultural anthropologist. You know, she, she owns ethnography, anything related to that. So my skill set is very, very different than others at Indeed. And credit to Indeed, there is a space for diversity of methods and diversity in how we look at things. And so my job, um, while my colleagues are often given small portions of the UX experience, my job is to look at holistically in the most global possible way of how U.S. organizations hire and then to develop a segmentation strategy from which the user experience will build on. So I feel very fortunate because in a way it combines my advertising background mm -hmm. and my anthropological background. So I'll bring them back in my 
one of my previous questions that I didn't get to. Which I'm wondering, how does the idea of the creative brief almost fit into what you do today as you know, as an artifact, quote unquote, right? Because, you know, in the you see personas and you see jobs to be done. And there's all these sort of things we produce, these documents we produce. So do you use anything from your earlier days that you're bringing? Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's certainly strategy. It's it's all about strategy. The, 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 the deliverable, using the language, of course, the deliverable for the deliverable or the objective of a creative brief is the creative content the ad campaign, the digital campaign, the radio campaign. It's that, that is the end goal that it, it it's to inform, help the creatives develop that great content. Um, I am now, I'm, I'm, uh, as a lot of organizations are, you know, it's, it's kind of siloed. And so I am, I am now not based in branding or marketing, but I'm based in product. So my end goal of my, readouts or my decks or my research is to inform the user experience. Um, so it's, it's a little different. So it's to understand the user experience. So then that, that kind of goes into when an employer goes on indeed based on my research and kind of the signals that we were able to identify what is the kind of experience that they're going to have based on who they are? So it's a matter of, uh, so I, my job is to understand how organizations are different and then identify those signals that would inform a different experience. It's sort of like if, you, if you're getting, if you're doing your taxes, depending if you, you know, a first time person of using taxes or you're very, very experienced, you answer a couple questions and you go on, the tax software and you have a different experience based on your background. It's kind of like that. Got it. And so um, I'm just going to go back to that for a second, because I hear you in, you know, in that the outputs appear very different, but they're actually both creative products in the end. They are. Right. They really uh, are. And I guess I'm wondering in UX, you know, do we do a good enough job all the time of, conveying the sort of stories and whys yes. to the creatives that are produced yeah. and the designs. Yes. It's, just, it's very different because, um, and it's interesting that you're asking this because I'm, I really haven't tapped into what we used, what I used to do in, a, in advertising. So much about advertising is about the emotionality and the feeling that you get and, and, and kind of what, what, you, how you want people to experience that at sort of on, on a physical, emotional level. Whereas where I am now, and because the frame is UX, it's very, it's very um, pragmatic and behavior-based and um, jobs to be done. What do you want to get done? What is the path? What is the user journey? And any, the, the closest that we might get to any emotionality might be the, uh, the old pain point, you know, and then, or places where you can create delight, but that's not where product and brand folks live. It makes them slightly uncomfortable. <laughs> I think. Yeah. And, you know, there is, and so I agree with everything you just said. And, and the result of all of that is, is that, you know, whether delight is the right word and there's people who debate that there are few there are many products that are very effective at converting and doing what they're supposed to do. There are few that I find delightful. 
Right. You know, and so they work from an economic perspective quite well. I, there's not many that I would go around and say, I love this product. You should try it. Like I could probably count them on a hand. Yeah. 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 That's right. And, And the other piece, advertising is very much a persuasive medium. I mean, the whole point of advertising was to change, was, it was a psychological frame to, to change attitude or to change meaning, but it was, it was persuasive. It was to change. Whereas when we are creating a website, uh, a tool to hire, we're not really trying to change people's opinion. We're maybe trying to change their behavior so they will use our tool. Um, but, but at the where I am based, which is at the product level, we're not necessarily trying to change people's attitude. We, we do want people to think of our product as a kind of a global holistic solution. But moreover, we're really trying to help them get work done. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Go ahead. So um, I understand that you're informing the product through this research. Um, but obviously strategy has other, you know, UX researchers who are doing strategy. There's also an opportunity to go beyond informing really the current product, right. And to really inform the, ultimately the future direction of an organization, whether it be products or services. Uh, do you get to dabble in that at all? Um, yes. We have we, within strategy. We have we have a team that is looking at that, that is very much helping the strategy team to try to understand where are the holes, where where are the possible uh, areas that um, opportunities. Um, so yes, yes, absolutely, and my work does inform that. Um, I did a study on, um, and this is the kind of I don't. I kind of even kind of circle around that. I help those folks. Like I did a study on, it's a very anthropological question. And I was very, I feel very fortunate that I was able to do this kind of work. I, um, as a lot of tech firms, we want to create change in the environment and in the process. So uh, I thought, well, maybe we should understand what change looks like in hiring. So that was my question. I, I, I looked at change from different points of view. And then that sort of informs our strategy for, you know, product development. Got it. So, and I appreciate, you, you know, the, the likelihood of you being able to talk about any of those details, is, you know, given where you work is just not, not possible. So I'm not going to go deeper on that. But do you have any, you know, just sort of pulling back from the details of Indeed, given that you've spent so much time in strategy, it, granted, in different fields with ultimately different deliverables, do you have any perspective about what younger researchers should be doing to position themselves to be in more strategic roles? Right. Um, this is something I think is really important for um, undergrad education, of course, masters and beyond. Masters certainly in applied, but sort of cross training. So I think that students who are in business school that really love research um, should understand that if their professor or the book is, is offering you a psychological perspective that you open up and there's plenty of ways, you know, to understand the, the literature of business anthropology, consumer anthropology, design anthropology, organizational anthropology. So expose yourself to that and understanding there's different frames for 
qualitative research. There's different approaches even to doing ethnography. So that's the first thing there. Those business students are well-versed in deliverables and what is the nature of strategy. On the other side, I think that anthropology students, undergrad and masters, should take some classes in business so that they, and especially for in marketing, so they understand what are the four P's of marketing. You know, how does marketing fit in with product design? So they have a business sense so that when you're doing, that's actually one of the most difficult things that I see when folks are coming into the applied world. It's like, research is great, but in the but in business, in the applied world, it has to have a so what, and it has implications, and it has to have strategy. And the last slide should be, how, why, how might we, with some real specific design implications on based on the research? So you can learn that, of course, when you get in. And, and this, when we, you know, in terms of hiring, I, you know, you can train for that. You can, you know, somebody that's quick, quick and sharp, you can train for that. But goodness, if you can have, take some business as an undergrad so that it comes together, I think that's really important. Yeah, thanks. And I'm curious there, did you have any trouble making, like pivoting from making recommendations in advertising to product? I, yeah. So I felt like, um, so my my anthropological training ha- helps me in life, just in general, in life. Because when I landed on Indeed, I, it felt I like I landed on an island and everybody was like saying, talking in English but I couldn't understand that everything was different. The culture, the values, the words. It was like, what? What? It's like, wait, I've been around, but why is this so new and different? And it was because now I'm in product and far away in another island, there's the branding and product people over there, the branding and marketing people. And sometimes we're in a meeting together. And I have really, because I feel like they are my, original siblings that's my home my, my advertising is i call it my my family of origin my professional family of origin and i also i know people in the community in the advertising community here in austin so there's lots of folks in indeed that have come from gsdnm and i'm like ahoy and the beauty of it they might not be aware of the segmentation that we're doing and they're like, Gigi, send us your segmentation. And so making those personal connections that break down silos. Uh, <clears throat> it was fascinating to me how um, product can be created with the absence of any attention to branding. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, in new organizations, you often do find such things siloed. So given that you you know you've had experience in both there's also an opportunity there for being the culture broker and and sort of you know bring people together so any thoughts on that um yeah so i think that um another piece of being an anthropo- an anthropologist in an organization is um not just the research you do not just the you know how might we recommendations for design etc but it is how well your research has impact or how, how much agency you can, how, how strong is your agency in order for you to make change? Everybody's doing research. Everybody has small bandwidth. So 
so much of the skill set of being an anthropologist is basically selling your selling your research and getting it out there. And that comes with there's kind of process to how you do it from the very beginning where you get stakeholders involved and they get involved in the process. And, you know, it's kind of this whole methodology of of being a change maker for your research, not at the very last slide, but at the very beginning when you are writing your proposal. Um, so part of that is seeking out stakeholders. I've done that where I, my, my, my segmentation research includes stakeholders from branding and, and, and product marketing. So building individual relationships. Unfortunately, it's nice because oddly now with um, remote work, we can set up meetings even if people are not in the same building. So that's actually been a very good thing. So in terms of bringing people together, you know, you've also done a fair amount of work in the anthropology community to bring some visibility to it. Um, like you said, you're trying to pull people in. So one of those, you know, events that I'm thinking of, it was at South by Southwest a few years ago now, well, maybe three years ago, um, where you sold out the room twice. For those who maybe weren't aware that that happened or what you spoke about, would you mind just sharing with everybody? Yes. Um, this story will underscores the importance of having a LinkedIn account with very with all of your important keywords in there. So, um, an ad agency in New York, um, a couple of folks came together and they're like, you know, we need a topic for uh, anthro, and we need a topic for South by and. Maybe anthropology might be a good thing, might be a good approach. It, that was a case where they hadn't, they didn't have any anthropological background and they were in Austin and they probably didn't want to pay for anybody to fly in. So they just probably did a search, Austin, anthropology, advertising, consumer behavior, UX, and my, my profile came up. And so they invited me to be on the panel. And I thought I was going to be joined by, you know, a whole a collection of anthropologists because it was an anthropologically themed session, but I was the only anthropologist. Oh my goodness. Um, the beauty of this panel is that it was a forum. I, it, for me, I was simply being, I was the messenger to explain to this crowd of um, uh, South by attendees, what is anthropology? Um, one of the reasons it did so well is that there were a couple big name um, marketing people on the panel, and then also uh, a blogger picked it up and wrote it in, uh, wrote it on his blog, and an ad age picked it up or ad week, and so it got a lot of buzz. So it was very buzzy, and as South by likes to do, they like to build fear of missing out. That's just part of the strategy. So there was this buzz, and it just crazy, 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 and so yeah, we were one of the sessions that required um, uh, two huge ballrooms, jam-packed. Um, I just thought it was, you know, there. it showed that there is a hunger from the marketing, business uh, community, research community, to understand what anthropology can contribute. There's a real hunger for that, and, so, and it's, it's now. The moment is now. You, so you say it's now. However, when we talk to some, you know, some of the anthropologists who came before us, 
We also hear that the glory days are gone, you know, the, the sort of big ethnographic projects for extended periods of time. And so how do you, you know, I mean, I certainly think it is now in UX for yeah. sure, you know, how, but how do you sort of see this? Um, you are, you're right. You're right. Those, I was, I was on the, on two sides of the, that, those glory days of, um, uh, large ethnographic projects, one as a client and another as a partner or vendor, so to speak. These huge studies, you know, 15 ethnographies across the country, um, huge deck, including, you know, video edits, large budgets, maybe about a two-month turnaround time, so very fast, but, you know, there it is, and then you do your project and move on. And large companies and organizations were hiring um, anthropologists to do this kind of work. I don't see, at least I don't see that happening from my vantage point now because there's so many other tools and less expensive tools to get at that consumer understanding. So it's a little different now. It doesn't come with, these vendors, I don't think it's the heyday is in the vendors hiring research partners or, you know, outside firms. I think it's in hiring anthropologists internally. That's where I think it is because every day I, I hear more anthropologists joining Indeed. Now that's tricky because when you get into an organization, I, I, it was similar to me, you are not hired as in the anthropology department. Your title does not say cultural anthropologist. Your title says UX research. And you are embedded in a frame where it, it's still kind of a psychological UX, you know, with like the, a lot of the folks have psychology backgrounds. But I, I don't know. I, it, it seems like it's tech is, and UX has provided opportunities for anthropologists to be hired internally in organizations. And I think that's where kind of the growth happens. And then kind of like what I'm trying to show is here's an example of, of anthropological style thinking. And this is what anthropologists can add. So I think, I think the growth is internal. Yeah. And I, I would agree with you for sure. Um, Now being internal also means that the timeline from the glory days has been compressed really significantly so was that a challenge for you, considering you had that previous experience and really needed to, to tighten that? Yeah. So, yeah, we, we also just had a, we had a summit and we, we, there's a new kind of type of practice in organizations called rapid research. When we're talking rapid research, you get the, you do the research on Monday and you do the readout on Friday. Now, not everyone does that, but it's a particular group of folks that they are just, there's they're the, they're the sprinters, you know? And, and they do rapid research. Um, I, when I was, a, um, you know, as a consultant, there would be times when my client, I'd do the research and they'd say, give me a top line by Monday. And I was in the field on Friday and I had the weekend to do a top line. So I'm familiar with that level of fast pace. And it is, it is what it is. It's a very, very high level. Um, so everything is faster and I have, I've had to kind of change my practice um, because internally it is pretty fast. So I've had to kind of change my practice so that I can kind of deliver on the time scale that is needed. That said, I think 
it really helps to have managers that go in between yourself and product managers, like research managers to say, slow down a little bit. We need time to be able to do our analysis. So I think as a UX practice develops in an organization, you there is management and that management serves as the go-between and kind of to, 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 to put the brakes on a little bit on sometimes the intensity that product is coming at you because they're coming at you with an agile, fast, fail fast kind of approach. And research kind of takes a little bit of time to simmer and to think about it. So management helped with that. And so any thoughts on, um, I guess, you know, how now being in the UX world, albeit more on the strategy side, any last takeaways for anybody who's listening and wants to get into the work? Um, well, so U- UX, UX research is, I think there's this, you know, I know Indeed is hiring. I know a lot of organizations are hiring. Um, if you want it, to, it kind of sounds so basic, so basic and so fundamental. But if you want to be a UX researcher, then you need to have some sort of UX experience in some form on your resume. So that means getting an experience in a classroom and every every project in a classroom can be something that you have experience with and you could put on your resume and can be part of your portfolio when you present your work. So I've been in many a presentation where class projects are, uh, are, are part of the presentation, are part of the portfolio. So you need to have that experience, class um some sort of work experience, something on your resume. Um, as far as getting into UX strategy or more strategy, at least from my experience, it helps that you kind of get in and then look around. And then in time, kind of you can kind of maneuver yourself into spots that are more strategic if that's a place that's available. So I think the first thing is just to get into the first, your first UX experience and Sometimes I've talked to folks and it's like, I don't, I don't have any experience doing this. Well, there's lots of, there's lots of courses. There's lots of stuff online. And moreover, find a good website with a nonprofit, approach them and do a project on your own and create your own case study that you've done. Yeah. I'll just reframe that and say, find a bad website. There you go. <laughs> Find a bad website for a good organization. Yeah, yeah. Good, good way to put it. <laughs> offer your your expertise, and in return for your work, you you get their approval to tell the story, tell the research story. And the uh, you know the meaning behind I guess my joke is it's it's actually much easier to show improvement on a bad site than on oh, a good one. By all means, yeah. The worse, the better. Yeah. So you can have that slide that can show pro, you know, before and after, and then you can have that video clip of somebody saying, this is the worst thing ever to this is the best thing ever. So yeah. Yeah. And there's plenty of, there's plenty of bad uh, websites out there. (laughs) So um, similar question, but just last thing, given your interest. So like South by Southwest and like trying your comment of trying to pull people in, you know, you're interested in building the sort of brand of, of anthropology. So any, um, 
you know, just any thoughts on what we can continue to do to make it more visible to outside people outside of anthropology? Um, as, as much as you possibly can when you are working in an organization to make anthropology visible um, through your framing and how you're under. So UX can be in the frame of he heavily based on context but, and, and to kind of show, you know, it's not just are they able to post a job, but the context surrounding that, the bigger context and kind of give, give examples of that through your experience. Um, I think that as uh, practitioners, we are uniquely positioned to understand how UX and anthropology is practiced. And we're in places where academics can't go in. So it's almost we have a, a service duty to write about it, to, to contribute to a literature of practice. Um, and there's, uh, you know, lots of venues for this, Society for Applied Anthropology, EPIC, um, maybe um, associations in your particular area where you've studied. But to take a little, a small little case study that you're, you feel would be comfortable sharing, there's a lot of things we can't share, but we often can share not so much the end result of the research, but the process, creating case studies and sharing your experiences out. Um, as uh, there's a term that I kind of like is um, uh, being a, a, a scholarly practitioner in that I haven't given up theory, um, it's just not visible but I am thinking about theory and I am applying theory and uh, creating um, studies and research and literature to help others that are trying to come into the work. So there's a more of an understanding of how anthropology is ac actually practiced inside organizations. So I yeah, think, fairness. you know, right. <laughs> so with that in mind, if anybody was, you know, interested to learn more about everything you're up to, um, where can they find you? Yes, so I am uh, on LinkedIn, which is a great way to build community. So I'm on LinkedIn. You can just Gigi Taylor. Um, uh, um, just, I used to, you could type in Gigi Taylor and my name would come up. But now um, uh, there's Gigi Hadid and Taylor Swift. And apparently they're really good friends. So like the first 10 pages are Gigi and Hadid content. Gigi and, and, and Taylor Swift. But um uh, then I have my website, ggtaylor.com, and that's where I keep my talks and my presentations, and you can use those. And I think I used to teach um, advertising at Texas State, so um, the, the content there is, I think, really good as an introduction for undergrads or masters if people want to understand a little bit, like, what is business anthropology and how it can be applied. Wonderful. Well, thanks for that. Um, it was really nice to talk to you. And um, as always, hope we get to see each other soon. I hope so. I'm sure we will. Thank you all for listening to the Anthro to UX podcast. To learn everything you need to break into UX, visit anthrotous.com. There you will find all the podcast episodes and career coaching resources. Please like, share, and subscribe. See you next time.